Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to share something with you this morning. I know some of you may be here for the first time, and I'm so glad you are. Some of you have been coming for a long time, but you may not know this resurrected Savior that we're talking about. That's what we're celebrating. People all over the world are celebrating the fact that Jesus rose again from the dead. This is what the Apostle Paul says about this. He gives us some evidence, if you will, some proof of Jesus rising from the dead. This is what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. It says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news. And it is indeed good news. I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you. If you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Listen to this. Don't miss this. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. Is that phrase that I want to bring to light, that I want to pay close attention to, the scriptures said, when Jesus came, I don't know if you know this or not, but when Jesus came, he was fulfilling prophecies. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, that there's a, a group of people, a religion today called the Jewish religion, the Judaism, that most of them, by and large, they don't believe in the New Testament. They only believe in the Old. And it is that Old Testament that gives us over 300 prophecies about this Messiah, this man named Jesus. And Jesus came and he fulfilled almost all of them. And the only reason I say almost all of them is because there's some that he still is going to fulfill when he comes a second time. But those Old Testament prophecies, those stories, they fulfill all of they, they foretell things like the fact that he's going to come from Abraham. He's going to be a descendant of Abraham. Of all the people in the world, he's going to come from a man named Abraham. He's going to be a part of this one specific tribe, the tribe of Judah. It tells us about the place that he's going to be born. It tells us about the manner in which he's going to die. Jesus came fulfilling all of those prophecies. What are you telling me, Pastor? That there's proof that he is who he said he is. This is what Paul goes on to say in verse 4. He says, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all of the apostles. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, it was not some secret event that happened. It was not something that only a few people got to witness what happened. Jesus showed up to over 500 people saying, 
I did it. I did what the Father told you I was going to do. I did what the prophecy said was going to happen. And I kept my word that I was going to be resurrected from the dead. This was all proof, evidence, if you will, that Jesus is who he said he is. This historical proof. You can look in history and there was a man named Jesus who was crucified by the Romans. This is all evidence. This is all proof of Jesus. Greater proof is that those followers that he showed up to were willing to die for the fact that he died for them. Many of them were put to death. They were killed because of the faith that they had that Jesus Christ is Lord. Further proof, further evidence. Paul goes on to say this. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I am not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted God's church. Further proof of this resurrection is the fact that Jesus revealed himself to his enemy. Paul was an enemy of God. Many of us know about the Apostle Paul and how he wrote, you know, two-thirds or really three-fourths of the New Testament. We know those things about him. But let me tell you a little bit more about his story. He was a man who was after destroying Christianity. He was a man who was after killing Christians and throwing them in jail because he did not want this sect of zealots and crazy people, what they thought, tainting and messing up their Jewish faith. And as a matter of fact, he was there at the stoning of the very first martyr. And he stood there approving as if to say, I'm I'm initiating and putting this on. Kill that man. He was an enemy of God. He was an enemy of Jesus. He'd gotten papers to go to Damascus and to put more Christians in jail. And on his way, on that journey to Damascus, Jesus stepped into his story. Jesus stepped into his narrative. And Jesus changed everything in his life. That's what happens when you encounter a resurrected Savior. What happened in Paul's life is the same thing that happened in the lives of those people that you saw on the screen today. They were enemies of God. Maybe not killing Christians, but they weren't good people. They were far away from God. They were living life for themselves, and they were were reaping all of the consequences of what that looks like until... A God who loved them more than they loved themselves stepped into their story. We serve a resurrected Savior. He's a resurrected King. And I thought about this. I was praying this morning, preparing for today and praying for our service and what God's going to do and all of those different things. And I just took a moment to go back to what my life was like before him. A lot of the message today is geared towards those of you who don't know him. But for those of you who know him, can I just take you back there for a moment? Remember what it's like, what it was like before Jesus saved you. Remember what life was like before he stepped into your story. I know very much what it was like for me. I remember being 16 years old, 
mom kicking me out of my house. Drugs, alcohol, problems with the police. I remember all of those things. I remember the feelings of depression. I remember the anger and the bitterness. I remember the bitterness at dad. I remember the up being angry at mom. I remember the separation in our family. I remember the shame, the guilt, all of those things until he stepped in. I remember feeling like I had no purpose in life, none. That I was only existing and buying time. I had two drugs and, and two goals in life. Live till I was 18 and sell drugs and not get caught. That was my goal. And I can remember that day when Jesus stepped into my story. And the reason I thought about this is because last night my wife and I were watching this incredible TV show. I'd never seen it before. So many of y'all have been telling me to watch it. You got to watch The Chosen. You got to watch The Chosen. I was like, fine, I'll watch The Chosen. And we cut on this show and we watched the very first episode. And it was a story of a woman who was sexually abused as a child, who lost her dad at an early age, and she grew up living a tormented life. Her soul was tormented. The devil tormented her. Can I just tell you, some of you in this place today are tormented by the devil. You're tormented by the guilt and the shame from all of the things he tempted you to do that you gave into and now he condemns you for And her story was a miserable story, ready to end her life until Jesus stepped in. And in one instant, he changed everything. In my life, in one instance, he changed everything. James and Candy, Rob and Kim, Ben and Christy, so many others in this room, and so many millions and millions of people around the world have this one thing in common. Jesus stepped into their story and changed it all. Changed at all. Can I tell you why that's important? Because he's not a religion. He didn't come to start a brand new religion so for you to have options. He didn't come so for this building. He didn't come to give us a nice safe place to meet after the pandemic. He came because he wanted to save you. He came because he loves you. He came because he wants to set you free. And I've got good news for you. But before I give you that good news, let me tell you the bad news. Here's the bad news. We're separated from God because of our sin. The very sin in your life, whether it's something that you view as small and insignificant or something that you're deathly afraid that anyone will ever find out about, that sin separates you from a holy God. God's not in heaven like Santa Claus going, okay, yeah, okay, I'll I'll let you in, okay. No, 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 God is holy. He's a holy God and he treats all sin the same. It separates you from him. He's righteous, he's never sinned. And because of that, we live these lives of sin and that sin causes there to be a great chasm, a great gap between us and God. Also, what sin does, here's more bad news on Easter Sunday for you. The wages of your sin is death. The wages of your sin is death. This is what Romans says. Romans chapter 6, verse 20. It says, when you were slaves to sin, 
you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Let me stop right there. For some of us, you're not born again, you're not saved, you're not changed, and you feel like, I got to get my life together before I come to church. That won't happen. That will never happen because the very power that you need to say no to those things is found in your relationship with Jesus. So if you're waiting to be perfect, if you're waiting to stop cheating on your spouse, if you're waiting to stop drinking, if you're waiting to stop doing drugs and lying and cheating so you can come to church with all the good people, can I just let you know something? It will never happen. But I do have good news for you. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Verse 23, don't miss this. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. What's a wage? A wage is a payment. It's an earning. When you go to your job, your boss gives you a check, a check or a direct deposit, and that's your wages. That is your payment for what you've done. They don't give that to you because they like you. They don't give that to you because you're really nice. They give that to you because you've earned it. That's your wage. Can I just tell you what sin does? It's a wage. There's a wage, there's a payment, there's an earning that's attached to that sin. And that wage is death in all of its forms. When you sin, there's, it brings death to your confidence to stand before God. When you sin, it brings death to your relationships with other people. When you sin, it brings death to your marriage where you can no longer look at your spouse eye to eye anymore because of that sin. Brings death to that relationship with your children where you feel like you can no longer tell them the right thing to do because you know yourself, you're not living in it. It brings death to that and ultimately brings physical death. That's what sin does. It starts fun. It starts easy. None of us would do it if it wasn't enjoyable. But the payment is death. Here's the good news. God knew that. Jesus knew that. Which is why he came and he died. He became death for us. He faced death on that cross. That's not a story. It's not a myth. It's not a narrative. It's not just something that happened in ancient times. It's what God did to literally split time in half to say, I'm going to put my son in the middle of time to save you to rescue you and he's going to become death for you and take the price of that and not only did he take death upon himself he defeated death he defeated death our sin brings us guilt our sin, our sin brings us shame and our sin brings us death and Jesus took all of those things on the cross he became all of those things so that you don't have to have them. 
That's what he came to do. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. What's hell? It's the place that you go if you're not born again. There's a real heaven and there's a real hell. And I'm sorry to tell you, we will not go to a middle ground. We will either go to heaven or we will go to hell. Jesus died so you don't have to go there. And not only that, he didn't just die so that you can have fire insurance and go to heaven. He died so you can be free here on earth. He died so you can have hope here on earth. Some of you have, are, you're bound in things. And when I say addictions, it may not be drugs or alcohol. It may be pornography. It may be you're bound and you're addicted to your lying. You're, addict, you're addicted to your manipulation. You can't stop. You don't know how to quit. I've got good news for you. You can be free. Why? Because he lives. Because he lives. Jesus came to give you a hope today. And there's really only one thing that he asked of us. Follow him. Why do we call it Good Friday? Because he paid the price. Why do we have a hope? Because he lives. I love the way that song said it. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. All Jesus asks of you is follow me. Follow me. I want to give you the opportunity today. Jesus once told a religious leader, a religious man, he said, the only way that you can see eternal life, the only way that you can be brought into this new kingdom that I'm establishing, the only way that you can have eternal life is if you're born again. Notice he didn't say, make sure you're christened as a child. He didn't say, make sure you attend church faithfully. I told our first services, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. He didn't say, go do any of those, that, those things. He said, you must be born again. Pastor, how do I do that? It's really simple. And the reason why it's simple is because Jesus did the complicated part when he died on that cross for our sins. A, simple as ABC, A, you admit. Admit what? That you're a sinner and that you're far away from God. You get honest for a moment. You stop making excuses about things and you get raw and real with God and you say, God, I'm a sinner. And I know you see that, God, I know you know that. But I'm acknowledging it and I'm owning it. And I'm bringing it in front of you. You admit it. B, you believe. Believe what? That God sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And not only that, you believe that on that third day, he defeated death and rose again from the dead. You put your confidence in that, that this is not just a story. Before I go on to see, can I just tell you this? I'm gonna give you the heart of, of a pastor for a moment. I'm confident and aware of what I'm saying, that it is true. And I know that some of you have come from many different places and walks, and some of you are hearing what I'm saying and God's drawing you. Others of you are like, okay, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to do this. Please hear what I'm saying. Because it's not just me asking you. 
is the God of the universe who sent his only son to die for you. And he's giving you a moment to be free. That's what he died for. He's giving you a moment to have the thing that you want. Life, what he created you for. But you got to believe and you got to follow him. And then see, you confess. Confess what? That he's now my Lord. He's now my Lord. We understand Savior. We understand that he paid the price on the cross. But do we understand Lord? Lord means I'm going to follow you. The same way you told Peter to follow you, I'm going to follow you. I've been trying it my way, and now I'm going to do it your way. He is now Lord. Admit, believe, confess. And Jesus will save you right where you're at. I want to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads with no one looking around. This is a moment between you and God. If you're here and you say, Pastor Gabe, I hear you. And I'm one of those people that God's drawing. How do I respond? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you that if that's you, I want you to be bold and I want you to lift up your hand. No one looking around. I want you to lift up your hand and acknowledge that's me, Pastor Gabe. I want to be born again today. I want Jesus to save me today. If that's you, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. On the count of three, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but I want to acknowledge what I'm praying with. One, two, three. Lift them up. If that's you, thank you. Hands going up all over this room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Don't be embarrassed. Put them up. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand back there. You can put them down. Thank you. Maybe you didn't lift your hand that first time around, but you wanted to. Don't miss this moment. We're going to surrender. If you say, Pastor, I didn't lift my hand before, but I want to. I want you to lift it now. One, two, three. Go ahead. Lift it up if you missed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Yeah. You can put them now. Church, let's pray this prayer out loud together. All of us, we're going to surrender our lives to Jesus. This is your moment. Say this with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you are the resurrected Savior. On the cross, you died for my sin, for my guilt, and for my shame. I believe you faced hell so I would not have to go. And you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. I turn away from my sin. I repent of my sin. And I turn to you. And from this moment on, God, you are my Father. Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's welcome our new family members to the family of God. Come on.